Hello and welcome everybody to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller here in Charlotte, USA, and just over the Appalachian Mountains, across the Ohio River and the farmlands of Indiana is Rob Peters. He's in the crossroads of America, Indianapolis. We hope the podcast finds you well today. I hope you're doing well, staying safe, and uh, you and all your friends are doing good. Uh, If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Glad to have you back. Hope it's another great show for you. If you're new, Rob and I are glad you've joined us today, and we hope you enjoy, and you come back for a Another round next week, or you dive on into some of our previous episodes. We have plenty of racing to talk about uh, from America's Heartland to Kansas Speedway today and other news around NASCAR, IndyCar, and Formula One. Uh, so we better get started before we do. Like we always do, we want to remind you of our Twitter uh, handles here. Rob is at Rob Peters 30, or Peters 33, excuse me, that's RP. E E T E R S three three. I am at roller underscore zero one R O L L E R underscore zero one, and the show is at Robin Roller, just as it sounds there. R O B A N D R O L L E R. So, without further ado, we better get the show kicked off and started. And Rob's got the first segment here today, as he always does. Rob's racing report. Hello, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Josh, for the great introduction. I'm glad to be back here. Glad to do to be doing this again with you. We've got some news to cover today uh, because there was quite a substantial amount of news that came out this past couple of days, really. It's only Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I feel like we've gone through a whole entire uh, two weeks cycle of news, but we've only been uh, going here about a week. So let's yeah. jump into the news here. Formula One. We're starting with Formula One. Racer reports that fight, despite COVID-19 restrictions, the unreleased provisional calendar for the 2021 Formula One World Championship still has Australia as the opener for what will be a 22 race season. It is also expected that a street course in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia uh, will be added to the schedule. This comes after Saudi Arabia has become more invested in Formula One, including Aramco, an energy company, uh, it is no, unknown what race will be dropped off the calendar for the Jetta Street course or how the schedule will differ from a traditional format given the unknowns of COVID-19. So we'll see what happens to that. I hope we don't lose another historic racetrack, but, you know, I it's uh, I, I guess they're really into for, uh, racing in Saudi Arabia. And I guess it makes more sense in Formula E going there because, you know, Saudi Arabia actually produces oil, whereas Formula E does not run on any kind of oil whatsoever. I mean, you may be using oil to like, you know, lubricate a few things here and there, but outside outside of that, you're not using much oil in uh, Formula E. So definitely yeah. makes a little bit more sense for Formula One to go there, though I'm sure that'll still be controversial. Uh, yeah, in IndyCar news, IndyCar news, running Formula E and champion and Formula BMW factory driver Antonio Felix da Costa will test a Rahar Ludelman Lanigan racing Honda IndyCar on November 2nd. The Portuguese driver developed a relationship with Ray Hall through the Indy 500 winners BMW Team RLL IMSA program and has a background in open-wheel cars, obviously, uh, because he was in GP3 for a long time, and uh, he has been having he had success in there, but obviously being the Formula E champion is a big deal for da Costa. So he will test the car at Barber Motorsports Park. So we'll see what happens with that. I can't imagine anything coming out of that, but... We'll see. I mean, I wanted to see Jeff go to IndyCar for so long, and now it would be kind of wild if his teammate even considered it. Uh, I don't think he will, though, because – but who knows? You know, you win one championship, you might want to 
try to win another championship. You know, he won a Formula E championship. He might want to be like, I want to win any car championship or something like that. I don't know. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that could be his, his MO. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, now moving on to the NASCAR. This is where all of that news is going to come around. There's lots and lots of news that we got to talk about. A uh, lot of stuff I was retweeting yesterday. Holy cow. Uh, and throughout the weekend as well. So in NASCAR, uh, first piece of really big news here. We're going to talk about this because Kyle Larson appeared on CBS this morning in an interview with CBS sports sportscaster, James Brown. And I highly recommend you actually watch this interview because I think it's, it's very important. It it's maybe edited a little bit more than I wanted it to be, but I understand why they would have to do that because it's a morning news program. You have so much, you have so little space you have to fill because you have, I mean, the whole rest of the program is filled with uh, news stories and, and each, story has to take a certain amount of time so maybe i'd like to i I probably would have preferred to have seen like something like a 60 minutes on this yeah but you know it's still not not a bad idea uh but following the interview's release it is it was learned that kyle larson has indeed filed for reinstatement with nascar and after speaking with a number of persons nascar reinstated larson on monday and larson can resume normal activities beginning on january 1st 2021 so Larson has been reinstated by NASCAR, but not until January 1st, 2021, which I think is probably the best way to go about things right now. I think, you know, just don't bring attention to yourself right now in NASCAR. It's not exactly what you need to do. Uh, and, and the piece that he he did on CBS this morning was really good. Like I said, I still would have liked to maybe have seen it be a 60 Minutes interview, but, you know, understand why big worry decisions were made the way they were. Uh, it is believed that he has a deal with Hendrick Motorsports to drive the fourth car at HMS beginning next season. Rick Hendricks has said that any announcements regarding the 2021 plans for his team would come later as the organization is focusing on the playoffs. So we won't know what uh, Hendrick is going to do in the fourth car next year. We know right now where Alex Bowman is going. He's going to be in the 48 next year, but we don't really know who's going to take over that fourth car. If that fourth car will even be available because there have been rumors that said Hendricks could go to a three car team. I don't know if those rumors are still substantiated considering how many, how much more rumors are connecting Larson to a uh, uh, Hendrick motorsports, but we'll see. We'll definitely see. We, you know, silly season is, is still, still got a couple of months left and it could still be kicking, so we'll mm-hmm. see what happens here. Uh, Chase Briscoe has annou- has been announced as the new driver of the f- number 14 Stuart Haas Racing Ford beginning in 2021. I think we all saw this coming as soon as we uh, talked about on last week's show that Clint Boyer had announced his retirement from NASCAR. Uh, so I think we all saw that coming. I think that was a natural progression that would happen. I mean, Chase Briscoe, he's now won, what was this, his ninth win, ninth tenth win? win. Ninth. His ninth win in the Xfinity Series this year. So he said he had to get eight wins to move up to the Cup. Well, he's got nine wins now. So, you know, I think we all saw this coming as soon as he got that eighth win at the very least. Uh, A couple of rumors also here. This is interesting. A couple of rumors have Eric Jones going to Richard Petty Motorsports and Corey LaJoy going to Spire Motorsports. Uh... So Spire Motorsports will have a two-car, probably be a a two-car team. Uh, Corey LaJoy will likely go there. We'll see who will be announced as the second driver for that team uh, since they have two charters and they're leasing, I believe, a third one now too. Um, And then Eric Jones, obviously, the rumors are connecting him with Richard Petty Motorsports, which is kind of disappointing, but really where else was he going to land, I think, at that point? Um, I think it's probably too late to negotiate with Rick Hendrick, and obviously we know what happened to the 14. Um, So I think... That's probably Jones's best landing spot, which is unfortunate because I think he's a much better driver than what his results have shown and what his results probably will show uh, at Richard Petty Motorsports. But we'll see. Uh, like, like I said, I always say we'll see. 
you know, not spe- I speculate, but we'll see. You know, I'm not it, anything can change. Nothing's all set in stone here. Yeah. Uh, so you know, anything can happen, but we will see what happens going there. Uh, interesting to note, though, I believe one of the last big free name free agents that's still available is Ty Dillon, and we really don't know where Ty Dillon is going to go next year. We have no idea where he's going to go, which is really disappointing because he's had a fairly successful season. He's won three stages this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had he's been running up front in in in, in several races. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of disappointing to see that whole organization of Jermaine Racing have to fold and then leave Ty Dillon potentially without a ride. But, you know, anything can happen. We'll see. I don't know if Richard Childress is willing to run a third car for Ty. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I doubt it. Um, I think we're going to see Ty in the Xfinity Series. You think he's going to go back to the Xfinity Series? Maybe. I think maybe. he'll go drive for his for, for Childress in in the Xfinity series. I think it's really a disappointment because if, I if think RPM is going to go with Eric Jones. Yeah. And, and track house, which has an alliance with Richard Childress. And they have Suarez. And already got Suarez. I, I think, uh, I, cause I don't see him going to a Hendrick affiliated Chevrolet. No, he's going to stay it. within the RCR bunch. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. And, and Hey, CBS sports really doing a lot of, uh, reporting this week. CBS mm-hmm. Sports reports that a company named 2311 Racing LLC, based in North Carolina, recently filed a trademarks for the number 23 and the name 2311 Racing. It's 23XI. It's like in Roman numerals, yeah. but it's 23. Creative. It is creative. I actually like that. Um, yeah. Signs point to this being a new team name and number for the Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin owned team with Bubble Wellis driving in 2021. I think anybody who didn't call that car number being 23 probably has never watched a game of basketball and does not know Michael Jordan. Anybody who knows basketball and knows Michael Jordan probably saw that that number was going to be 23 right off the bat. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people, I, I, I especially expected it to be car, car number 23. Right. Uh, only makes sense. I mean, you could probably make it car number 45, but why would you? Why would you? Well, that's too much. I think right there you already have a connection to Petty. Yeah, exactly. Why would twenty three yeah. make more sense? Because that's that's. I mean, that's Jordan's number. That's Jordan's number. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like other numbers Jordan ran. Oh, or not ran, but other numbers Jordan wore during his career. But I really Eight. don't see why anybody would run any. He would run any car other than the number twenty three. It only makes sense. It would be like you know, it's it's like Dan Marino when Dan Marino had a team. He, of course, the car was number thirteen. It doesn't matter how unlucky the number was. His, yeah. Jersey number was 13. The car had to be 13 for branding. Uh, so people could make the connection. It only makes sense for the car number to be thir- 23, in this mm-hmm. case, for people to make the connection to Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, next piece of news here. This is something came out of the blue. Where did this happen? The 2012 NASCAR Truck Series champion James Busher, who has been working as a real estate agent for the past several years, uh, will be making his return to the NASCAR uh, Camping World Truck Series or Gander RVs now. I just got to call it Camping World Truck Series. They're going to call it, call it that next year. I'm just going to keep calling it that. I'm going to do it this early because I'm, I'm, I'm too – Gander RVs and Outdoors is too too much, too much mouthful. Anyway, he'll be making his return to NASCAR at Texas Motor Speedway when he pilots a Nice Motorsports Chevrolet Silverado at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. His last start was in 2015. He's been working – seriously, my, my man has been working as a real estate agent ever since then. Um, and in a Nice Motorsports press release, Busher called the exit from the sport not on my own terms and having gone on and having a lot going on at home in 2015, but it's excited to get back on the wheel. So good for, good for James Busher. Good to see him mm-hmm. back in the series because this, that, I, I think that that's actually absolutely right. That was not on his own terms. He went, he, I think he left his family owned team at Turner Motorsports 
really to make a name for himself elsewhere so that he wasn't connected to his yeah, family he drove team. 99 in the Xfinity series yeah. in 14 and then made a couple truck starts in 15 and then yeah that was it yeah he's he's been a real estate agent ever since so he's back he's back in the he's back in cup uh, and how about this? Be, uh, some more uh, silly season news. Colleague Racing availed with the help of AJ Allmendinger. So creative. Haley <laughs> will be returning to the number 11 Leaf Filters Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series in 2021. That threw me off guard because I got confused for a hot minute because I legitimately thought they were announcing Allmendinger in the car. Well, I lo- that's what I loved. I'm like, hold on. Is Justin Haley going to cup? Justin Haley isn't switching to the 10, is he? And then he pulls off the table like just saying, like, oh, he got everyone. I was going to say, I'm like, I I said last week, I said, you know, Justin Haley was, you know, being Spire wanted him. Yeah. But now I guess Spire wants Corey LaJoy and maybe somebody else. I think it's more the colleague deal. I think Justin Haley's like, look, I can, I can go run one year in this cup car full time. And if colleague wants to go full time racing in 22, great. I'll go with them. And if they decide not to, if I do well enough in next year, which I'm sure he will, and the college cars are good, he's 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 got three wins now. He's improving each week. Surely there's someone else who would be interested in my talents as a rookie in 22 with this new car. Mm-hmm. That's why. I- well, you know, and also too, I think it's not a bad idea to get one, um, another season in Xfinity. He's got three wins oh. on on super speedways now. If he can if he can nail down some wins on speedways and, and maybe some short tracks, I think yeah. that'll solidify him as a cup racer in the future, for sure. And I think Colgate will be that much better next year. So, I mean, look at the improvements they've made this year. Uh, more Xfinity news here. Brandon Jones, who had been rumored to be moving into the NASCAR Cup Series and into the number 96 for Gaunt Brothers Racing, will instead remain in the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota in the Xfinity Series for his sixth full season in the Xfinity Series and fourth with JGR. Not a bad thing. Again, you know, I don't... There's people like Brandon Jones that are out there that are just more success that probably will be more successful in the Xfinity series. I mean, right now he's got a great opportunity still to win a championship this year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and re-signing with Joe Gibbs means that you have another opportunity to win an Xfinity championship next year if things don't go your way this year. Correct. And I think he's in a good opportunity. Like I said, he's beat Kyle Bush, which I think should be qualification for someone to either at least be in cup or at least be uh, successful in the Xfinity series. Uh, when you race head to head with Kyle Busch and you beat him, which is something that Brandon Jones has done, I think mm-hmm. that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And so the fact that he has done that uh, is is important. And then he's staying in in the Xfinity Series with JGR. Doesn't need to move up to a, a lower funded Cup team just to mm-hmm. continue to have success. With Joe Gibbs, you know, and continue to ride that wave of success, continue to impress people. That's what you really got to do, especially when you have a, an opportunity like that. So you know, not inter- inherently bad decisions here for Haley or Jones to kind of stay in the Xfinity Series there, even though they were rumored to potentially be moving to Cup teams next year. This is the best route for them to go. I think it's it's better to, to get more years in Xfinity than make a hasty jump up to Cup with a team that could not be very good. Inspire and Gump Brothers. I mean, both we, both of those guys hang around the top thirty usually, and I think we both know that Haley and, and Jones aren't going to want to run in the top thirty when they're used to running in the top five every week in the Xfinity series. Correct. Uh, so, and then the last piece of news here. This is something that uh, we'll discuss a little bit later on, but we wanted to make note of it. Uh, Haley Deegan made her first start in NASCAR truck series, uh, this Saturday, but she, it has been announced through Ford performance that she will make the jump to a full-time truck series career in 2021. And a number, a number and the sponsors have yet to be announced, but she will be driving for DGR Crosley next year. So, uh, you got Haley Deegan making her, 
you know, we've got her, we've got her making her truck series debut this weekend, and she's going to be uh, racing full time in the truck series next year. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I, I have my feelings on Haley Deegan. I look, I'm all for females in racing, and I said that many times. I support them. I want them to succeed. I love them to succeed. But dude, Haley, you got to start winning some of these races, and you got to stop saying that. You know, COVID's a hoax. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, let's go on to the featured paint scheme, Josh, because we've got uh, something exciting to talk about in the featured paint scheme. One, one crazy year of Formula One. Yeah. So the 2005 Formula One season is our uh, featured paint scheme this week. It's kind of fun to look at these, go back and, and see which ones, because I had to be reminded uh, of a few of them, or a few of them I remembered which one I ultimately went with. So, Rob, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yours? Yeah, uh, here's one you may or may not remember. Uh, you, you probably do remember this if you're a fan of Formula 1 and fan of backmarker teams, kind of like I am. Um, you know, I was a big fan of Marusha F1. Big, big, big fan of that. Uh, but before... A level of backmarkers. Uh, we had the one main level of backmarker, and that was Minardi. Uh, scoring points only in the infamous 2005 United States Grand Prix. It is the final Formula One entry for the level backmarker Minardi, the PS05. Not the PS5, the Paul Stoddard 05. Um, that was Minardi's final entry into Formula One, and it featured a flat black scheme with a white or grayish side pods uh, in sponsorship from Ozjet. Now, this car was pe- uh, piloted by Christian Albers, Patrick Freisacker, and uh, Bobby D, Robert Dornbos. Uh, they both, they all, all three of those, uh, Freisacker was replaced with Bobby D uh, late, uh, about halfway through the season. Uh, another team, again, like I said, only scored points in the USGP, being the fifth and sixth place finishers with Albers and Freisacker, respectively. Uh, yeah, you could pretty much guess. How, how you like to know the only time you finish in the points, you finish behind Narain Carthy Kane. How'd you like to know that? How'd you like to? How'd you like Christian Albers and and, Pat, and, and, and Patrick Freisacker could say that they finished behind Narain Carthy Kane, but they did score points. They, they did score, score points. points. But, it, hey man, you weren't going to beat Tiago Matero, man. You were not going to beat Tiago Matero in that Jordan either for third. Uh, that, that was probably the only guy who was the half. What what was I? What did I read about that 2005 U.S. Grand Prix? He he stayed. He was the only driver who stayed. Like well stayed in the ra- at the racetrack well into the night just partying. He got his first podium in Formula One. He's probably never going to get a Formula One podium ever again. He just stayed up all night partying and just totally relishing every moment. To be honest with you, I would do the same thing too. If yeah. somebody if, if if Formula One podium plopped itself into my uh, lap like like it did for Tiago Montero, I probably would have never under any circumstances stopped partying until yeah. probably somebody would have said, "All right." You've had your moment in the sun. Stop. <laughs> um, but anyway, at least the sun came up. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and, and now, keep in mind, I like this library so much. But actually, the coolest part about this library is that it did just exist in the 2005 Formula One uh, season. Um, it actually also uh, made its way over here to the states when it debuted in 2007, when uh, Minardi Team USA opened up a Champ Car team. Over here, and they took the same exact paint scheme that they had in the 2005 uh, Formula One season, and plopped Bobby D in the car, Robert Dornbos, uh, who, uh, by the way, I'm not going to mention it. 
if you want to know what Bobby D is doing right now, go look it up online. Uh, it's not safe for work, what he's doing right now. Um, but yeah, uh, Robert Dornbos, uh, the, the Dutchman, is doing something very different from racing. Uh, it, it, it's probably just as fun to some people, but but not not really to me, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, Dornbos won two races and finished third in the champ car season in 2007. Uh, so that was probably a big deal for him. But uh, he came to IndyCar in 2009. And yeah, like I said, just Google what he's doing now. Just, just Google what he's doing now because I'm not going to mention it here. Uh, Josh, who is your pick? Because I like this one too. I really like this one too because Formula One had some good good paint schemes this year. Yeah, I had some really good paint schemes in general in the beginning of the 2000s, you know, just in general. Uh, but I went with the BMW Williams F1 team, FW27. Uh, the team's primary sponsor was from HP. Um, the nose section was white with some kind of gray lining. It's all kind of a little bit of a, at a slant, if you will. Um, and then that separated the dark blue middle section. Again, still at a slant. The the top of the car and then the side pods were this dark blue. And then you had white, or excuse me, then you had the gray lining again and white in the back of the car. Um, I don't know why. I just think it's always, this, this particular sponsor and color combination just really stuck with me over the years. I think it was might other than the Marlboro uh schemes i think stick with me more so than any other formula one paint scheme ever um and then the nose to, to continue on the description of the car josh um let's uh talk about the front and rear wings they were white and then side the, the sides were were that dark blue again um pretty simple but i like it like i said it resonates with me uh mark weber was one of their drivers which uh 2005 was his fourth full season. He competed in 18 of the 19 races. The one he missed was the United States Grand Prix when Michelin teams decided, decided to park their cars uh, after the formation lap. And, you know, that's where you get the uh, your your guys finishing fifth and sixth, right? So, I, could, I could editorialize on this whole oh, I know entire thing for like way longer. Could. But yeah, it was it, a great day for back markers. It's a great day for backmarkers. You're absolutely right. So, um, like I said, that was his only race he missed. Weber earned a single podium at Monaco and then uh, had two fourth-place finishes at Belgium and Japan. Nick Heifeld wa uh, uh, was, uh, was another driver, and he would be replaced by Antonio uh, Pizzonia uh, at Monza, but uh, Heifeld uh, himself uh, had a couple good finishes as well. He finished second at Monaco in Nürburgring. Uh, he, but he was replaced because he complained of a headache before Monza. And then he was replaced by Pizzonia and was, was scheduled to come back at Brazil, but had a motorcycle incident and he was sidelined for the rest of the season, which was only a total of four races. Um, and then Pizzonia, he had a seventh place finish at Monza. His first race with him was his best result in the car. So uh, not, the, uh, not the greatest year for Williams but better with them what they're doing now. Let's just hope they get better. You know, Williams, man. Hey, hey man, six years ago, Williams was consistently scoring podiums. Yep. Let's how not forget mighty, that. How the mighty have fallen. Well, uh, let's hopefully, let's hope, let's hopefully can get back on their feet soon because I want to see Williams doing well again. And George Russell will get him there. Yeah, George Russell will so. get him there. 
He's had close. I mean, just a couple bad timed cautions. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go on to this week's winners. Uh, I'll start it off here and Rob will finish it. So we had the um, Arkham and R series ended their season, the the big series, the national series. Uh, Corey Heim got his first career win, uh, kind of had a dominating car. Uh, in the number 10 Venturini Motorsports Toyota, odd odd number for them, but that's okay. Uh, the Gander Trucks, Brett Moffitt, got his first win of the season. Been a while since he's been in Truck Victory Lane. The Xfinity Series, Chase Briscoe, as you mentioned earlier, got win number nine. That ties Sam Ard for the most wins by a regular in a season in the Xfinity Series. And then Joey Logano won in the Cup Series, which we will talk about later. So, Rob, why don't you talk about the two races you have on here noted? Yeah, I really, really, really want to talk about Bathurst. Like, can we talk about Bathurst for like, can we, can I take five minutes to talk about Bathurst, please? Yeah. Like, because, I mean, this, this was probably, the Bathurst 1000, first and foremost, was won by Shane Van Gisbergen and his co-driver, Garth Tander. And let me tell you something, this is, Bathurst continuously puts on fantastic races. And Supercars, in general, puts on fantastic races. And, and I, I made every effort to watch this race from start to finish, and I did. I watched a full race from start to finish, um, 110%. And let me tell you something. From the moment the lights went out, that racing was fantastic. And never once was there a dull moment, it seemed. There were several moments in there that just took me by complete surprise. And then and then at the very end of the race, you, you race 1,000 kilometers. You race less than 1,000 kilometers at this point. You're only like a few – you've only got like a handful – of laps to go, and you have you have ten laps to go. Actually, you have ten laps to go, and you have two safety cars leading to two late race restarts. I mean, this is insane. And the final safety car comes out and sets up what is essentially a green white checker, where they throw the green flag with like two, three laps to go or four laps to go. Excuse me. And so, not only this is why SVG was so good in this race is because mm-hmm. he is holding off Cam Waters. Cam Waters just won his first Supercars race this season. And he's going now. It's basically he's like, you know, it's just like imagine winning your first race and then you're in contention to win another one. And it's the biggest race of the year. You know, it's Bathurst. I mean, this is Cam Waters has an opportunity to essentially cement himself in supercars history, in Australian motorsports history and in motorsports history as being a winner of the Bathurst 1000. And this guy literally gives everything he can to SVG. And this kid, this is happening before the safety cars, both safety cars too. SVG comes out of the pits. And here's Waters just right on his back bumper, giving him everything. And so this guy's on cold tires trying to face fight off this hard-charging Cam Waters. And these two go at it for lap after lap after lap. These guys are fighting and, and, and pushing each other to the absolute most. So much so that there was a lap in, the, in this race where uh, Van Gisbergen set the fastest lap of the race. And then Waters set the second fastest lap of the race. And it was only five one thousandths off of what uh, of what Van Gisbergen had set. So literally, they were separated by the thinnest and narrowest of margins, and they were about at the same speed the whole time. And, and these two just would not quit. They would not quit their battle. Supercars again, continuing to deliver probably some of the best racing I have seen all year. Period. I mean, just all year out of every racing series, Supercars has nailed it in terms of action, quality, strategy, all of that. Uh, it's It's got, it. just Bathurst in general was a perfect endurance race. And the thing about Bathurst that I like so much is it's an endurance race, but it doesn't feel like it's too long. 
You know what I mean? It's one of those races that you can actually get, you can kind of knock out and what could be considered an Australian afternoon, I guess. Yeah. You know, it felt, it, it was like, I turned it on at eight and the race ended maybe around one o'clock and one o'clock, two o'clock. Uh, no, actually around, yeah, one thirty actually, cause the super formula race, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, started at one o'clock and, uh, actually ended up starting just a little while after just or a little bit before the supercars race ended this the bathurst ended so actually it was pretty good timing there uh but yeah so it was, it was really easy watch you know i just was and, and and the whole time i was just glued to the screen i was just glued to my television there was nothing that was going to get me off of uh watching bathurst so just an excellent excellent race i love talking about bathurst uh the supercar season is done for 2021 2020 excuse me uh scott mclaughlin is a championship a champion of course he clinched that in the penultimate race yep. uh and now he's coming over here to indycar so scott mclaughlin is going to have a pretty interesting he's going to have a pretty interesting week where he's literally going to relish being the supercars champion and not even have a week to like get that under his belt before going over here coming over to the states and dealing with jet lag and whatever i don't know if he's already here or not whatever i don't know if he's uh, made the made the trip yet but you know just definitely interesting and and we'll see we'll see what happens with uh mclaughlin if he goes back to supercars or if Roger Penske offers him a ride here in IndyCar, we'll see what happens in his, with his debut. Uh, anything can happen. It, it's still all up in the air there in, in uh, supercars, uh, especially we don't know what uh, Team Penske is going to do. I mean, I think uh, from what I've understood is Penske is getting ready to pull out of supercars because, I mean, he's got McLaughlin. What else has he got? What, what else does he need? Um but yeah, that's pretty much the goal. Oh, and by the way, that was the final victory. This was also interesting. This was a final victory for Holden as a factory team in the uh, in supercars. So they won their final race as a factory team. They will be back next year, but n- all of those Holdens will be Holden branded, but Holden won't actually be supporting them. Yeah. So they'll kind of be like the no manufacturer support uh, until 2022, which I, I believe I retweeted. Uh, supercars will actually have uh, Camaros. They will be running mm-hmm. Camaros, and then we'll be running kind of like GT3 style bodies. They call it Gen 3 of the supercars. Uh, so definitely a different look will be coming to the supercars. The Fords are still going to look more or less the same, but the Chevys definitely look like they're going to be a lot wider uh, than the current Holden Commodore. So uh, definitely a lot of news coming out on supercars, and uh, holy cow, we're we're getting there. And anyway, I wanted to also mention uh, Nick Cassidy won the Super Formula race in Sugo. This was an excellent, uh, excellent, excellent race by him. Nick Cassidy has been, uh, you know, he, he's been linked and rumored to potentially be moving over to Formula E in next season. Uh, so we'll see what that. He's had some great success in Super Formula. He's been one of the best uh, international drivers. He's from New Zealand, uh, and he's been racing over in for- Super Formula for a couple of years now. Uh, and he's got a couple of wins. He's got several wins, I believe. I can't remember if he's got a championship or not. But um, yeah, he's been doing very success. He's been very successful out there in Japan. Uh, so maybe he can have some Formula E prospects here in the future. So we'll see. Um, Josh, I think that's it for my two races. I want to talk about. I just really wanted to talk about Bathurst. But now we can talk about some of the other races. Some of the races that took place stateside. Yeah, well, we're we're just going to hit on this. The first one we're going to talk about is, in general, just the 2020 Arca season and kind of the – with the West Division kind of coming to a close in the next few weeks, they have three races left to this weekend, and then uh, their championship race, the final race of the year, will be at Phoenix. But the East has closed up the, its season. The National Division has closed up its season. 
Um, we just kind of thought it'd be a good idea to, in general, talk about uh, the 2020 Arcus seasons in, in, in a whole. Brett Holmes is the champion uh, over Michael Self in that race. Big thing to remember here is Holmes originally was not going to run the whole season. That's true. Um, That's very and, true. You know, his family-owned team was going to scale back and run just select races. And but early success kind of said, you know what? Let's let's run the full season. Let's let's, let's we're, we're we're right here in the championship hunt. They were on Michael Self's heels the whole time, and eventually kind of put him on his butt. And now he, he was playing catch up and couldn't catch up. Um, so good for him. That's a great story mm-hmm. in general, and kind of like. I mean, I don't like to say it was a blessing disguised from COVID because we all would rather not have had COVID happen, but for him, it was. And mm-hmm. good for him. Haley Deegan finishes third in the standings, uh, third of the four legitimate full-timers. There was another driver, Brad Smith, ran 19 of the 20 races. Everyone else kind of ran 16 or less races. Um, she was the only one without a win. Now, here's a big note. Full-time drivers only had four race wins. When did this become the Xfinity Series uh, of a few years ago? <laughs> um, but Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer won 11 combined races, Gibbs winning six and Mayer winning five races, respectively. Um, you know, just wow. I, I, that's something you wouldn't have expected. Michael Self, I feel like, should have won more races. Um, and just makes you think about that. Haley Deegan, I feel like, this was her year to win a couple short track races because she had done so well in the West Division using the, the the chrome horn a little bit. Ultimately, she wasn't able to do that. Um, so, Rob, for me, we've talked about it, and we've probably, if this horse isn't dead, we're going to beat it dead today. But what is next for the ARCA divisions of NASCAR? What, what, what is next? What do you see as the next step before I before I give my... The next logical step for them is definitely you either have to you either have to combine the series in some way, shape, or form, or you have to figure out a way to get more car to get higher car counts. Because what I've watched over the course of this season in Arca, it just Arca East, Arca West, the main Arca series has just really been kind of concerning to me. You know, I feel like K&N Pro uh, in the past more or less didn't have that healthy of car counts either. But at the same time, you still saw a good level of talent rising through the ranks. You know, a lot of the drivers that got their start there end up being having success, have had ended up so far having success. I look at like someone like Noah Gregson, and you look up, I mean, who's had good success in the Xfinity series. I look at Justin Haley as well as someone who's had, who's, you know, who came up through that. Right. William Byron, even William Byron, as well as another one, um, drivers who came up through that rink and ended up having success. And what are you seeing right now with Arca right now? I don't know if there's anybody outside of maybe Sam Mayer that really has had the success in Arca that is pro- that has translated to NASCAR and the upper divisions of NASCAR, like Truck Series. Um, and that's what's concerning to me. And I understand a lot. There's a lot of talk about Haley Deegan, Haley Deegan, Haley Deegan. And I've said this before. I've said this before. You know, I, I support her hundred percent. I, I want to see her succeed. I want to see more women in motorsports. I want to see this happen. I want to see successful female racers. But the problem is I just am concerned about 
her success. You know, she didn't, like you said, she wasn't able to get a win to this year, you know, and that's something that pretty much everybody else was able to do. You know, Drew Dollar even got a win. Like, Drew Dollar got a win, guys. Come on. I mean, really? Yeah. Um, and Drew Dollar was really just kind of an also-ran who also seemingly had a better car as well. Yeah. So I look at that, and I'm just like, you know, they've got to invest in better talent. They've got to invest in more car counts. But also, what would also help is for them to go to uh, some more popular short tracks around the Midwest, like Winchester uh, and, and things like that. It's just creating an identity for it, first and foremost, creating and it's giving it its own identity. Because right now, I really don't know what this is. Is this the Arca? This isn't the Arca of old, but it's pretending to be under this name, if, you, if that makes any sense. Just ultimately, they've got to figure out some way to increase the car counts and some way to make this a viable stepping stone instead of just a, what do I want to say, a poor man's way to run, run a, a stock car racing, I guess. Because that's really what it seems like now. Because you've yeah. got Ty Gibbs going out there in the best equipment, whipping everybody, and then family-owned team ends up winning the championship, which is good and fine. But at the same time... You have other family-owned teams that are not doing well. Exactly. You have other family-owned teams that are basically just there, that are existing, that are like 90% tape. You know what I mean? It, it, something's got to be done in order to help help Bark a little bit. You know, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I to me, I don't know how you can increase car counts. I think we've tried that and it hasn't worked. I think the two things that need to be done is that they need to just sit down and say, you know what? We got to combine all three divisions. We're going to run a 25 to 28 race schedule. Show up where you can. You know, if Bill McAnally wants to run five full-time teams um, in the West Coast races, but only bring three to the East Coast, that's great. Um Venturini, I know they're going to be the they would be the ones that hate this the most, and I, I think they've kind of been vocal about they don't like this new system. But you know what? Things change, right? If if they can't see that this is a different world, racing world, than what it was ten years ago, let alone twenty years ago, okay, I I guess I can't help them. I guess I can't help them on that front. The other thing they need to do is get rid of sixteen year olds and seventeen year olds racing in the truck series. You need to be 18 to race in the truck series, period. Get, get these guys who are not of age to vote or fight a war out of the trucks and make them race in the uh, Arca series. It's just one Arca series, one Arca Menard series. You can, I, I, I would even be able to say, okay, you know what? If you want to run Daytona one time, great. But you don't need to go to Talladega. Run a few road courses, all right? Three, two, three road courses. Go to the mild dirt tracks in Illinois uh, of DeCoin and, and the state fairgrounds. Okay. Um, everything else needs to be like gateway or shorter. You know, gateway, you, you want to go to Dover, that's fine. You want to go to Phoenix, that's great. But short tracks, Winchester, Kern County, uh, South Boston. Nashville Fairgrounds, Milwaukee Mile, all right? These places are where ARCA needs to go, all right? Mm -hmm. That's where they need to cut their teeth at. And I believe if you could combine the three, there's enough teams, all right, within the three divisions to give the field 15 good cars 
And if you have another 10, 15 cars show up that are also RANs, well, that just makes the racing a little bit more exciting uh, when it comes to lap traffic. Okay. So, and it makes it, and it makes the racing reference page look great. You have 30 cars <laughs> that way. Okay. Right now we're not seeing that. There were 14 cars at Winchester for an ARCA race. That's inexcusable. All right. Mm-hmm. That's inexcusable. They need to combine these series because it's obviously not working. COVID hasn't helped it at all. And you know what? If I, I honestly think that this was the plan a year ago when they kind of announced this and rolled this out that, you know, we're going to have three, four championships and three series. Eventually this was going to happen. Um, yeah, I, 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 I hate to see this because some of these races were painful to watch. They're painful to look at statistically just on a piece of paper, let alone watching it. And even if it's the highlights. So I, I they just need to combine them and call it a day and, and see what goes from there. And, and, and to me, I really don't see why they couldn't have a 25 to 28 race schedule if they run it from February to, to, to November. Go to where you can. And if that first year you say, you know what, we just need to cut a couple of these off, cut a couple of them off. You know, I, I, I honestly, truly, because you already had how many races scheduled seven. I think they had 11 originally on the West tour. I think they had seven originally on the East. So there's 18. They had 38 races on the calendar already. So you can trim that back down to, to 25 to 28. That was that. That's, that's, that, that's Arca. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more probably about it later in the year. Um, let's move on to trucks at Kansas. Um, just wasn't a lot to talk about on, on, on the front end here, but you know, I thought it was a solid race. Good racing trucks always put on a good show. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It wasn't a lot of cautions per se. That doesn't always mean it's a bad race though, but let's talk about the multiple accident accident because this all started when, uh, Rafael Lassard was on the bottom of the, uh, of Brett Moffitt. And he kind of got the air pulled off him, turned around. He overcorrects and smacks the 26 of Tyler Ankrum, who is in the playoffs and who is now basically in a must-win situation. And then he hits the 75 of Parker Kligerman, who rallies to finish 15th. Um, and then the next one, you had the people checking up, the 99 and the 24. That was Ben Rhodes and David Gravel got together. And then Gravel gets into Tanner Gray, kind of wrecks both of them. And then you had the stack up of the 41, the 17 of Haley Deegan, uh, Clay Greenfield, and then, uh, crap, who was in the 44 truck this week? Was it, uh, was it not, was it not Bain? The 44 was Colin Garrett. Wow. So, uh, yeah, those guys got together. That was, that was something. That was, that was kind of like the wow moment of the race. And yeah. then until, until you had the big block, uh, Brett Moffat on Zane Smith, you later apologized for that. But he said, Ooh, boy, yeah. yeah, I do. Um, Zane Smith just about rallied and picked that up. He would finish seven, 11th at their spinning. There's a caution, green, white checkered Moffitt holds off Creed. And, and there you go. Moffitt wins his first race. And I believe over a year now, it's been a while since Moffitt visited victory lane. It does just feel like it's been a long time. Yeah. And he's going to the championship four because of that. And he's going to the championship four. Took words right out of my mouth. It is. It, it's, it's kind of interesting how this played out. Creed's up 26 still. Hill, Austin Hill is up 19. Zane Smith's up seven. But then you have the three fours of Thor Sport. They're looking below the line there. You got Infinger's back seven. Crafton's back 15. Roach is back 33. I had to say, Ankrum's in a must win. He's 56 back. That's a Ankrum lot of is points. Absolutely in a must win. 
yeah, just uh, just wow on that one. And then Haley Deegan did finish 17th, by the way, or 16th, excuse me. 16th, she finished yeah. 16th. Uh, she drove the 17 truck. Um, what did they say? That was the best. Best Debut finish by female, for a, in the for female in the truck series. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's about where I thought she'd finish. You know, I feel like if she could finish there, that would be a good day because what we say at the beginning of the year, there's 16 trucks that have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs, mm-hmm. and she finished 16th. That's not that's not terrible. There's a in, finish- in what is could be considered a, a glorified R and D car. You know, yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not gonna say that was a it wasn't a great day. But it was about, about where I thought she finished in the, the, the bottom half of the top 20, or the, the yeah. bottom quarter of the top 20. That's not, that's not yeah. a terrible deal. Um, the cha- what do you think about the championship so far here? They got Texas and Martinsville going up. What do you see happening? God, anything can happen. I still have Austin Hill winning the championship. Uh, I still think it's going to happen. But Moffitt moving on, and you got Creed's 26 to the good, Hill's 20, excuse me, Hill's 19 to the good, Zane Smith is 7 to the good. But then a cutoff here. Endfinger is only seven back. Crafton's fifteen back. So I look at that and I'm just like, all right, well, you got Texas and you got Texas and Martinsville, right? That's the next two races, yeah. right before the. Okay, yeah. so Texas and Martinsville. Well, Martinsville is a truck. is is almost a it's it's a tough uh, truck race for trucks. Martinsville mm-hmm. is. It's a really tough race for uh, for the trucks. Um, you put a lot of strain on the brakes. You put a lot of strain. On on a lot of things on that in, in that race, I think Texas will be a little bit more normal, and then I think it's going to be Martinsville where guys are going to start making desperation moves yeah. here because you can you can get away with it, you know yeah. you can get away with it. It's not like Phoenix is the cutoff race this time where you can't really get away with a lot of those desperation moves, a lot of those you know beating and banging. You can't really you know move a guy out of the way and not have him you know kick your butt after the race you Mm -hmm. know what i mean at martinsville you can move a guy out of the way and just say oh hey man sorry you were holding me up and short track race okay yeah short yeah short track race and whatever if the guy's nice he'll be like oh okay i get it if he's not he might punch you in the face but who knows um you know i i I think we'll see we'll just have to see moffitt definitely is the best best case scenario because he doesn't have to worry about martinsville he doesn't have to worry about that martinsville uh, craziness. If he gets in an accident, if someone moves him out of the way, if his truck's not performing very well, it's no big deal. You're still going to the to Phoenix, and as long as your truck's fine in Phoenix, and that's all that matters. Those other guys, though, Creed, Hill, Smith, got to be careful, especially Enfinger and Rhodes and Crafton. Those guys are going to have a real, real tough time probably hanging in there. Crafton, Crafton, Crafton could be a dark horse at, at Texas. I th- honestly, I think it's going to come down to Creed Hill, Smith, and Crafton at Texas, and then you're going to have a much clearer picture, yeah, about how Martinsville is going to have to go down uh, because Smith ran well there earlier. Because remember, he uh, in July he was there with uh, Kyle Busch and uh, Christian Eckes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it was those three guys who were kind of running away and stinking up the show. Uh, of course, it's going to be a little cooler. This time around, much cooler. I mean, you saw how cool it was at Kansas. Holy cow, was it cool? Yeah, oh my gosh. But yeah, I think. Uh, but Crafton always runs well at Texas. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and he know and he just about beat uh, Greg Biffle uh, last year at Texas in in the June race. I so right. yeah, that, that, it'll be fun. And Creed just is running. He's running so fast. He's running really well. Uh, he's turned up the wick there. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch the trucks. Trucks are always just fun to watch. I don't care wh- what it is. Even if the package isn't great, they're just still great to watch. <laughs> All right. So the Xfinity series. Um, wow. What a difference between that and the cup series. So a, such this a great was a race. Great. That, this was the race to watch, man. This, this was, was a, a race Jeff to watch. Burton, Jeff Burton said it best. And he, without saying this is the best series, he says these cars are the most difficult to drive. And when they're the most difficult to drive, you have the best, best racing. It's more okay. fun to watch when the cars aren't sucked to the ground and they actually have to, you know, get out of the gas. And there's 30 mile an hour drop off between entering turn one and exiting turn two. Whereas the Cup Series, oh great, I just throttled off a little bit. I lost five, eight miles an hour. And then you had, well, I'll mention this later. I'll just mention it now. Denny Hamlin was full throttle for the first 10 laps of the race. That's inexcusable at a mile and a half track. I'm sorry. Who wants, who wants to see? I mean, yeah, who wants to see? I know, I know it's, we're supposed to be talking about the Xfinity series. Yeah. The Xfinity series, I want to talk about the Xfinity series and just how great it was. But you're right. You're absolutely right in that. Like, you listen to those onboards during the cup race, and it's just like one yeah. sound the whole way around. One sound, one, one tone, one pitch. That's that. Just flat out full throttle. Then you go to the Xfinity series, and these guys are actually having to fight these cars. It. And they're actually wheeling them. It really makes me mad that the Cup Series isn't more like the Xfinity Series because I really feel like we could have a lot more parity in the Cup Series mm-hmm. if the cars were more like the Xfinity Series, which we have more parity in. Yes, I know Chase Briscoe has won nine races, but it feels like there's been more parity. Because he, hasn't, he, ha- he hasn't walked over the field the entire no, year. Yeah. Not every single one of those wins is a walkover. A few I mean, he's not even a guarantee. I wouldn't even guarantee him for the championship yet. Yeah. Because yeah. he's still got Allgaier, Jones, and Sindrick, who have been incredible in their own regards this year. Yeah. Sindrick has e- Sindrick too. Sindrick is probably the second best driver right now behind Briscoe. Then it's probably then then I'll probably give it to uh, I don't know. I probably have to give it to, to Brandon Jones. Uh, but Allgaier's been having a pretty good playoff so far. Mm-hmm. So I look at that and I'm just like, dude, this is, this is such crash. good stuff. This is such good. Oh, you colleague cars can't forget that, but they haven't had a great playoffs. Colleague cars. I said, good. I said, I said, I said all guy with it except for causing a big crash. But oh, yeah, that, that, that yes, yes, he did do yeah. that. But, um, yeah. What the heck was, can, can we, I know, I know, I know. Like there was a lot that happened in the early part of the race, but we, can we talk about that, that crash that all guy did? What is he thinking? Well, I I I I don't I don't know. I mean, he had to think someone's going to give me a spot. That didn't. Um, yeah, like he just thinks someone is going to let him in on the when he's on the apron. Like, no, nobody's going to let you in, buddy. <laughs> Nobody. You have to be. You have to have your right sides. Get you no. Know, you know, just you have to have all four tires above the outline line of the track surface well before you enter the corner, and that was not the case with, with Justin. What is it with Kansas with big crashes? I don't know, man. Kansas had some huge crashes. I was like, it is only a matter of time before there is a flip at Kansas, and sure enough, we got a flip at Kansas. It was, a, was, it was something. It wasn't a full flip, but it was a flip. I mean, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a definite flip. It, it was what I classify as a flip. Okay. My criteria for a flip is so long as the car touches as long as the roof of the car touches or uh goes upside down and lands on or is on the roof of the car as long as that car is is done when one complete turnover that is a flip to me so this class is a flip because it was on its roof for as long yeah, as it was did stop there and and this is the thing that's crazy to me is i want how's this how's this for a stat 
We've had six races at Talladega. No, not six. Five races at Talladega. No flips. We've had one extreme. We had a couple of races at Kansas. One flip. Who who thought that was going to be a stat at the end of the year? Who had that on their 2020 bingo card? That Kansas had like more, more flips than Talladega. I don't know, man. I I, I uh, yeah, I thought hey, the I'm race. I'm glad came... to see Anthony Alfredo walk away. Yeah. By the way, oh yeah, but I do yeah. like talking about flips because if uh, this is my opinion, if cars are going to crash and cars are going to be safe, I'd like to see him turn over once and now and again. It, you, it, NASCAR's like we don't like what you just said. <laughs> no, no, they're gonna they're gonna come after me, and Ryan Newman yeah. is gonna give me a strongly worded letter of why everything that I just said is wrong. But uh, you know they could they could they could do that. But I've I've felt that way as a kid. I don't like seeing cars crash, but if they have to, let's see them turn over. <laughs> well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll change it to cl- the crash in style. Then. Yes, crash for style. So yeah, the Xfinity race was just so great. I mean, even with the cool temperatures, you knew that race was going to be good because that was the worry. Like about a week ago, you know, everyone's like, "Look at the temperature, way it's going to be. Race is going to be crap for the Cup," and it was. But the Xfinity series playing a great show again. I want to know. Here's a perception issue that Noah Gregson may have, and I feel terrible for thinking this. That crash with him and Austin Cindric. I felt like that second nudge in was intentional. But I think to myself, wait, hold on. Maybe he just had, didn't have fully control of the car. He did have a, a control arm break, I guess, during the crash. So that could have affected the handling during the crash uh, as well. But it's the perception deal. But I also wanted to say in the first 15 laps and then the first past few races, I've enjoyed the re-upped energy that Graxon has brought. Um, being aggressive and because I, I think he's a better race car driver when he is aggressive you just can't go around not giving someone a break on lap five and wrecking the guy i.e texas with riley herbst um but yeah he's put he's putting on a good show there um i also want to note no uh, daniel hemrick uh did finish second for i believe second, seventh time in his career and it wasn't the john andretti uh, tribute scheme that he ran at Darlington, but crashed early with, so that we didn't really get to enjoy it. So good, good I'm to so see happy that. to see that scheme finally got a proper yes send off. Really, yes. So let's give an update here on the uh, playoffs for the for the Xfinity Series. Briscoe to the championship with the win, but it's a very tight race, very tight race with Texas and the return to Martinsville for the Xfinity Series. All guys up eleven. Jones is up nine. Cindric's up two. Two. I know. I didn't expect Cindric to only be up by two. I know. I mean, though, I'm putting him as probably an easy favorite to win Texas. But I will also say that I did not expect that. I did not expect him him to be only two points to the good at the end of Kansas. Yes. And then Haley's back two. Chastain's back 12. Seek's back 17. And Gragson's back 33. That was one that was also shocking. Um, but when you finish last, yeah, that's going to get any stage points. That's going to happen. Um, Noah's yeah, going to have to be. Re- I mean, we, we you talk about Noah being aggressive. I mean, he's going to have to be real aggressive here. These yeah. the, the next two races, if he wants to have any shot at making a playoff, making the championship four, and then he's going to have to be probably as aggressive and patient simultaneously as he can be. Because I feel like the hardest thing in the world. It's one thing when you go into the 
final race in the Cup Series because you know it's a long race. You know, mm-hmm. you know it's a pretty long race. In the Xfinity and Truck Series, though, it's not that long of a race. You've kind of got to be as aggressive, and you got to be this weird hybrid of aggressive and patient. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if if Gregson is going to be able to do that. No, because I mean, I mean, surely he's got the aggression, but the patience is something he's definitely got to work on. I think he showed he can be patient, but he wasn't a great race car driver doing that. He wouldn't get the results he needed, so he's really got to find a balance. Yeah, on that one, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, the expanded series, space that, spacers, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just great. It's just you're going to say exactly what I was going to say. I don't even know why I even bothered to interrupt you. No, it's fine. Um, but I, this is going to be a fun chase to watch in points battle just to watch even at texas and then martinsville the return uh what is essentially it's the first race there since 2006 but they hadn't raced there in a long time prior to that so oh, but mean, i'm so happy to see it because that yeah. race 2006 was a underrated gem in my humble opinion under definitely an underrated gem uh at Martinsville is all is 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 never that bad of a show. Yep. So, right, I mean, so as as, as rare as it is, it's still a pretty decent show. So. Yeah, exactly. So we've already kind of touched on a few things with the Cup race. I mean, my goodness, just Ugh. I don't know what I, what we can say more. I don't know if they're not watching the Xfinity series. I well, here's my hope. Does do they really think that like people don't like the Xfinity series because I don't like. Know why. Look, it's exciting. The, the The cup race is exciting when it's close together. But we, and if you're new, you're saying, oh, my gosh, these cars are racing so close together. But when you're like us, we've been watching racing for 20 years, or you're someone in the garage, i.e. Kyle Busch, and you can't pass, it's frustrating. Or when you do pass, it's because the guy in front of you made a mistake, got blocked, had to let off, got loose, tires are somehow worn, um, and you blow by, whatever the case may be. You, you can't go up there and like, all right, I had a better few entries in the corner and exits. I've caught this guy. Now let's get him arrow loose. Like that happens in the Xfinity series with the Cindric incident. Like what happened when the truck series with Raphael Lassard doesn't happen. Um, I want to see cars have to let off the gas like the Xfinity series. Here's my hope is that NASCAR has come out with the package for next year and said, okay, we're going to cut costs. We're going to keep costs where they are. And we're not going to change anything. We're going to have, and but when the Gen Five car comes out, then they finally say, you know what? We're going to go use the Xfinity package. We're going to use the at least the low downforce. The low downforce could have solved half the problem in Sunday's race. Forget about the the horsepower. But if you have low downforce and you're not sucked to the ground, all right, that can that that, that just fixes issues. And that's why I've been disappointed. Where we had this, we had a doubleheader. Where was the doubleheader at? Oh, oh uh, like Homestead. Or where was another doubleheader we had at? Michigan. would have been a great place to test this, my theory, that, okay, Saturday, let's run the high downforce, low horsepower. Okay, on Sunday, guess what? We're going to put a shorter spoiler on, but you're going to keep the same low low horsepower in the car, and then we'll see. We'll, we'll, let's compare. Let's compare notes, but we didn't do that. Um, but that's my theory. I hope it's a theory that comes to fruition. I don't know. It's just good to see that Nashville Super Speedway will have the low downforce, high horsepower package. That'll be. And that'll be necessary for that race's success. Yes. Because I think what we saw on Sunday here was 
it was a mixture of good and bad. So I, I said in the beginning of the race that it was actually a really good race in the beginning. First stage, I was I was enjoying it. I was I was you know I was genuinely in, enjoying it. I thought it was a fun race to watch for a little bit there in the first stage. But after a while, it just became so painfully obvious that nobody could pass. And I mm-hmm. think when I said that I was enjoying the race in the first half, I think it was mainly because of how plate, you know, it, how much it looked like, you know, it was a super speedway race. I think someone, or someone spotter said, I think it might have been Joey Logano said it was like a plate race. And Did you make was, it? Yeah. And I think I was like, I would agree with that. It, it, in the first stage, it definitely looked like that. And that's why, to me, it looked exciting because, you know, that idea of cars not being able to pass was kind of masked almost by the idea of them working in together in lines mm-hmm. almost like having two grooves of cars, kind of like, you know, a super speedway race would, you know, mm-hmm. you have two cars lined up in, 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 in the outside and the inside groove all drafting together. And that's kind of what it looked like for at least the first 10, 15, 20 laps. Uh, and it wasn't until about, you know, maybe the first cycle of pit stops, maybe about the first stage break, that it really became painfully obvious that none of these cars could pass no matter what. And it really became painfully obvious on the last few laps because you have uh, uh, Kevin Harvick chasing down Joey Logano, literally doing everything in his power to get him. And every single time he got up to the back bumper, the car stalled out. It was ridiculous. I'm seeing this car literally get a run, a Mm -hmm. run. And I'm thinking, if I'm in the driver's seat, I see a run that fast. And my first instinct is to cut it to the left and make my move on the inside. Well, Kevin Harvick tries to do that, and guess what happens? He cuts it to the left. The car stalls out. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, you mean mean to tell me my instincts would not even be correct in Mm -hmm. this modern style of NASCAR cup racing? Yeah, I, I the restart. Here's here's the deal. Like the restarts are exciting, but were you not excited by what you saw in the Xfinity series on the restarts? Mm-hmm. I was excited. I mean, what? Here's the difference. Both have great, exciting restarts, but once you get the cars dialed in and into a run, right? One can pass and another can't. I mean, pass, they want to make passing goers. Yeah, there's always going to be cars, but they—they, they, I don't know what it is, man. Keeping cars together clearly isn't working. All right, isn't making the people who know the sport well happy, right? Because if you, I wanted to watch a, a super speedway style race, I'm like I saw in the first few laps at Kansas. Yeah, that's all good and fine, but it comes down to being able to pass. Mm-hmm. And, and you if can't, you can't get you can pass, pass it, then who cares? Yeah, you can pass a Daytona and Talladega in a draft. Yes, in a exactly. Race, but you, you can't can Kansas. I don't, you, you I don't know. Actually, at Daytona I would argue it's easier because so long as you're able to get up next to somebody and side draft them, yeah. you can make the pass. I agree. Here, good luck even getting next to somebody to side draft them in the first place. You saw it in the Xfinity series, though. The Xfinity series race, you saw it was actually easy. Mm-hmm. Guys were actually getting up next to each other, side drafting, slowing yep. the other guy down, and then they'd make the pass. The other guy would, you know, come back, maybe make a run at him, side draft him as well going into the turn and make them pass you know something like that and that was how they passed it i mean yeah i understand side drafting has become more of a necessity with these new cars but i don't necessarily hate seeing that as long as they're able to pass what i hate seeing is when drivers are still trying to side draft and they can't even get alongside the car anyway they get alongside the quarter panel and it's like good luck good luck you're still hitting a wall of air I don't know. I I I don't know. I, I I'm at a loss for words at this point. 
I'm at a loss for words myself. I don't know what to say about the Cup Series other than, you know, Joey Logano's going into the championship four. So that's that's good, I guess. I still have Hamlin winning it all. Uh, but he's so he's 20 points to the good. Harvick's um, 41 up. Har- you, you have 41. You had Harvick in the championship champion, yeah. right? So he's yeah. 41 to the good. So he's probably going to go to that championship for even if he doesn't win the next two races, even though he could probably win at Texas. Um, Martinsville is going to be an interesting one. I mean, you can't tra- count out Chase Elliott at Martinsville. Uh, you really can't count on Chase Elliott at Martinsville. And he's eight points back. So if I'm Brad Keselowski, I got to win at Texas or have a really good run at, 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 at Martinsville because he's only eight points to the good. And I just, I, I am I less, 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 and less optimistic of Keselowski's chances of staying in the championship four. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I saw an interesting statistic. I didn't think about it, but. Elliott's the only guy in that list of guys who's led every playoff race. So they're they're bringing their best stuff at this point. Um, Harvick and Hamlin obviously had their points to fall on. Hamlin didn't have the best of day. But I think we're both in a little bit of trouble because then we both have Truex in the championship four. I think we did too, and he is yeah. not looking good. No, I mean, Kurt Busch is in a must-win situation. He's back 73. Truex is back 31. Bowman's back 27. I feel like those guys, they need to go out there and win both stages. Uh, at the yeah. next few races to have a shot, but only one guy can do that. Um, they need to get max points, and, and they're they are stage point racing at this point, and their crew chiefs have to figure out a way. Okay, how can we maximize points in the stages and yet win the race? Because it doesn't really always work out that easy. So, yeah, I uh, I'm 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 a little cold on Truex going to the final four, but I'm still I'm still. I mean, uh, Harvick and Hamlin and Elliott are still hot on my list to, to move on with, I mean, Logano's already there. Um, so with that, we probably should move on to outstanding performance. We just eclipsed an mm-hmm. hour. Bob, who's your outstanding performance going to this week? You know, I talked a lot about Bathurst and I just have to give it to SVG and Garth Tander. I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen, man, dude, this is somebody who's still at the top of his game. This is somebody who still showed everybody that he could go out there and win races. And uh, especially when his teammate put it in the wall, which still, I can't believe Win Cup put it in the wall. I mean, that's probably the craziest thing about that. Craig Lowndes drove one stint, and then Win Cup got in the car and put it in the wall. And I was like, what? The second-place guy in the championship didn't even finish Bathurst. He didn't even get through, like, the first 50 laps of Bathurst. That's crazy. But, uh, no, seriously, Gar- Shane Van Gisbergen holding off Cam Waters in those final closing laps. Final, like, t- final 20 laps. I mean, for 20 laps around Bathurst, he held off uh, Cam Waters, who was quite literally breathing down his neck for 20 laps. He's held off two, counting two, late race restarts, not to mention, in order to hold off Cam Waters. I mean, you could look at everybody in NASCAR and sit, talk about all how he, how good all those guys were, but you are not going to get any better than SVG holding off Garth Tander for 19 laps around the big mountain. I'm sorry. To me, that was the most impressive thing I saw this weekend, and that's why SVG gets my best Tandy performance. I'm going with one you probably won't expect. Uh, you, the listener, Rob, you may have already read mine, so you were expecting it. But I'm giving mine to Austin Hill and the number 61 Hattori Racing Enterprises team in the Xfinity Series. They have two previous top 10 performances this year, but this week, Austin Hill, b- behind the wheel, and the team uh, earned their first career top fives in the Xfinity Series. So that's that's worth a shout-out. That's worth that an outstanding performance to me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope this team plays a, a bigger role in both series, the truck and Xfinity series in driver development, whether it's for Toyota or a guy just kind of stepping along the way up, you know, up the ladder to get to cup. Um, it, 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 it's a fun group of people. It sounds like uh, at that team. And, and we know it's difficult to be a, a, a cup team financially. So if these guys can continue to go out there, do well in the trucks, continue to improve in the Xfinity series, I think that'd be a cool little organization to watch as, you know, here, we're not a cup team, but we're a great feeder organization. So that, that's just kind of something I, I hope that comes out of that. So uh, that was the outstanding performance and our top takeaways. Now let's move on to the uh, our favorite segment, the segment we get to have a little bit of fun with and uh, we tease you about in the earlier parts of the show. Uh, upshift, downshift. Upshift means you agree. Downshift means you disagree. Tell us why. We tell each other why we, we, we think this way, um, whether it's a few words or a few sentences. If we shift into the neutral, you know what? We don't have enough information to go on, or it just doesn't, you know, I don't care about the situation, whatever it might be. And these might be pieces of news or uh, hypothetical situations. So uh, the first one here this week, Eric Jones is the right driver to take over the famed number 43 Richard Petty Motorsports Chevrolet. Do you upshift or downshift? You know, this is an interesting one because I really feel like Eric Jones is a really good driver. And I think he'll help this team a lot. I mean, it's not Logano going to Penske, and that's the problem. You know, it's not like Eric Jones is going to go to a is going to another top tier ride. He's going to take a significant step down. But I do hope that he has success with this team, and I think this could be good for both of them because I think you know Bubba, Bubba Wallace is really good in, in in and of itself, but he's not gonna. I don't really think he's gonna be the right guy for that team to start challenging for some wins or for some top 10s, or even for a playoff berth. Eric Jones is probably going to be that guy for them. Uh, I think this is a great grab for Richard Petty Motorsports, but I I think it's I upshift for Richard Petty Motorsports, but I think I downshift for Eric Jones as a driver. I think this is probably going to hurt him more than it's going to help him in terms of his career stock because I it's going to be hard for him now to go get another top-tier ride. Uh, but we'll see. You know, but for right now, I'm going to upshift for Richard Petty Motorsports. I think it's a good for move for them. But for Eric Jones to, to be that driver, I think that's it's not so good for him personally. So I'm going to downshift on that. So you could really kind of make my answer out to be kind of a neutral because I, 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 I feel strongly for the team and strongly for the driver as well. So it's kind of interesting. But I don't know. How do you feel, Josh? You know what? You, you kind of took the words out of my mouth in a way. You know, I, again, I think it, for Rich Petty Motorsports, they're grabbing a guy who's riv- driven for Joe Gibbs Racing. Performance aside, he's going to bring some knowledge with him. You know, here's how they do things. He's going to eventually, that's going to trickle down to, to Richard Childress Racing because they have an alliance there. So it's probably a great move intellectually mm-hmm. for the team. Again, Joan, it is a downstep. Be interesting to see how he does out the gate here. I think he'll be immediately compared to Bubba Wallace. Oh uh, yeah, for, for how he performs this year, uh, Bubba performed this year, and then Eric Jones performs next year. But I'm, I'm not. He's the right driver for the crop of drivers who was left. That's the problem. So yeah, are you going to call up Ross with the chip? To me, that it, Haley sticking with the colleague. Allgaier, he wasn't mm. going to leave Brandt in junior motorsports. 
Noah Gregson's not ready for Cup. Uh, Michael Annette, I'm sorry. Even though Michael Annette's had his chance, he's he, Michael Annette has no nothing to prove in Cup. All he needs to do is just go to the Xfinity Series and have a good time. Yeah. So there, I mean, Daniel Hamrick, I thought might be an interesting choice, but you know what? I, I don't know. It's it's this is Hamrick still I, has zero wins in NASCAR. So I I, I think we gotta. I I'm like you. I'm upshifting and downshifting at the same time. All right, so this one here, hypothetical one, uh, just in case you know someone reads into this, the NTT IndyCar Series should end its season on a street course every season. Do you upshift or downshift? I downshift. It should end on an oval. It should end on a big oval, just like it always did back in uh-huh. the day, back in the back in my day, in the good old days, when we used to race on all the ovals. We only raced on ovals, and no driver complained about it. <laughs> well, that... I don't know. I, I would uh... like to see them end, end the season on oval. I know it's not going to be California Speedway anymore, which is yeah. a real huge shame because yeah. that was the perfect place to end the NDT. That was a perfect place to end the IndyCar season. When they yeah. went to California, even when they did that in Champ Car 2, and then when they started doing it again in IndyCar, it was the best way to end the season, and it should always end that way. I know that. Auto Club Speedway is not going to be what it is anymore, but for the love of all that is good, for one last hurrah, the California 500 needs to be revived, and we need to run a race, uh, race there just, just as a send off to say, hey, thank you, California, thank you for this big oval that we've had for hosting these wonderful IndyCar races over the years. Yeah, I downshift because I don't think street courses are the best race to hold a. Um, season bookend race, you know, season finale race. I want them to go to a track where they can put on a great show, whether that's a road course that's going to create the best racing. Because uh, we all know road, some road courses create better racing than others. It's not Laguna um, Seca, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Laguna Seca is not the answer. Mm, won't argue. Um, but uh, yeah, downshift to street courses overall on on season ending. Let's have them in the season, but let's not end their season there. It's it, it's a win if you're a hotel and you're wanting to sell tick, uh, sell hotel rooms right next to the yeah. street course. It's a win for you there. That's the only advantage you have. You can bring the crowd to the race instead of uh, or the race to the crowd instead of the crowd to the race. Um, the next one here: the decision to keep Brandon Jones in the Xfinity Series for his sixth full season is the best decision. Do you upshift or downshift? I think that is a bit. I do upshift. I do. I, I I said it earlier in the show, and I say it again. I do think that is the best decision for him. You know, he's got, you know, you can hit your stride in your Xfinity. You could peak in Xfinity, and then you could go to Cup. You know, to, to be like Chase Briscoe. I mean, Chase Briscoe, you know, had basically targeted eight wins this season and went out and grabbed them. And because he knew that most of his competition was gone and Custer and Bell, so he didn't really have that to, to worry about. I think you know next year. Uh, uh, Briscoe's going to be gone, and then two, you know. So he's really you're 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 looking at a situation where your your main competition is probably going to be Justin Allgaier and Austin Cindric next year. If I'm Brandon Jones, I like those odds at probably winning more races and probably winning more championships. I like those odds. So I'm gonna I for all for all means, I think Brandon Jones is making the right decision here. I'm gonna upshift. Um, I don't know how. Actually, I think more of his decision to keep him there was Menards related, um, because I think there was maybe a, a, a smidgen truth to Menards following him to the ninety six, 
but that would be at the cost of Matt Benedetto and the Wood Brothers. You know, mm-hmm. I can't. I mean, Menard sponsoring three Cup teams—that's a lot. Man. That's a lot of money. It's a significant difference between. And two keep cup in mind, teams. John Menard is basically the only guy keeping Arca afloat. It's true. It's true. Menard jumps a lot of money into NASCAR and racing, and we thank him for it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think this is the overall best decision. Even if he was racing a fully funded 96 car, I think the 96 may be getting some more funding from Toyota this coming year. Um, but let's see what they look like after 2021 first type of deal. So yeah, this is overall best decision for him. It doesn't look good when you look at guys like William Byron, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, you know, guy, even Cole Custer to an extent, guys who have moved up. He, now it's his sixth season. That is kind of bad looking. But you know what? Get 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 your years behind you. Get some wins. Keep your confidence up. Don't lower your confidence. Go to a crappy team. All right. Uh, Haas F1 team will enter the 2021 Formula 1 season with a pair of brand new drivers. Do you upshift? Uh, uh, all rumors currently point to that happening. I'm upshifting because I've now heard... Uh, Roman Grosjean is pretty sure he's getting the boot, and Kevin Magnuson has pretty much said, "Yeah, I'm probably not going to come back to IndyCar. It's not IndyCar. I'm probably not going to come to Formula One next year. I'm going to look at IndyCar." Yeah, I've heard that. Like within the last 24 hours. So I didn't hear that one. So that one's new to me. It's it's a pretty easy. Up- well, it's just a rumor. It's just a rumor. I know. Yeah. Kevin Magnuson has been on record saying that he wanted to do IndyCar after his his Formula One career was over. If in the event that his Formula One career is over after this year, I assume he'll be looking for some IndyCar rides. I don't know, but uh, definitely, and it's not a bad thing. I don't mind F1 drivers. I don't like seeing IndyCar being an F1 reject series, and that's essentially why I want them to put more money into bringing more ovals into the series because you know I don't want this to be just an American F1 series. I want this to be its own indiv- its own thing where they run on ovals and road courses because we have so many perfect beautiful ovals in this country and in Canada and even one in Mexico. For all intents and purposes we should very much be devoting uh time to ovals in this in this uh in, in the series in the United States but you know, I mean, I still think it's good. I think I think that's probably what's going to happen. But I think Haas F1 team is going to definitely have brand new drivers next season. Uh, do I know who they are going to be? No, I'm not going to speculate on that because I have no honest idea what where what Haas is going to do, what Ferrari is going to do, whether Ferrari might want another junior to be moved up, either Eilat or Schwartzman, or if they're just going to say, no, Haas, you could pick two free agents, and that probably ends up being Perez and Hulkenberg, let's be honest. Um... Yeah, I upshift, especially after reading the Racer article with uh, uh, Gunter Steiner about uh, not making an emotional decision behind Grosjean's eighth place finish. I don't no, think that's yeah. a tone. I don't think that's a tune we would have heard a year ago. Um, I think it's. I think he realizes. You know what? It's time for a change. And he mentioned long term and short term. And again, it just it the whole voice. That Med- that Medlin put out uh, f- uh, um, in his article, yeah, uh, I'm definitely convinced that Haas is going to look a lot different uh, in 2021, which is good for the only American team out there. Uh, so I upshift. All right, for the final one here, uh, Haley Deegan will learn more about where she is as a driver in the NASCAR Truck Series 
compared to the Arkham and Nard series, do you upshift or downshift? See, this is a tough one because I feel like she's shown me in the Arkham and Nard series so far this season what she's capable of. I mean, she's in a, in, in a really good ride. She's not maybe in the best ride, but she's in a good ride, right? And the thing about it is, is she's got no wins to show for it. She's got no wins to show for it, and her teammates have wins. Other drivers have wins. Drivers that probably shouldn't have wins have wins, and she's got none to show for it. I don't think anything is really going to change in the truck series. I feel like for Haley Deegan to really, for us to really have an idea of where Haley Deegan was as a driver, whether or not that be a good thing, she really needed to win some more races in ARCA this year, and the fact of the matter is she just didn't get it done. So I think it's really hard for you to go up to the truck series after having a winless ARCA season in what is essentially, again, a dying ARCA series with only four or five good cars in them, and she's in one of them. I, I just think we kind of have an idea of where Haley is as a driver, and I think that's probably perpetually top 15 in the truck series. So is that an upshift or downshift? No, neutral. It's kind of a neutral. It's also it, it's it's neutral and downshifting. I think we know where she is as a driver based on Arca and based on her one truck start. But again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'll say I'm wrong. If I end up if she ends up succeeding next year, then I'll say I'm wrong. I don't have a problem being wrong about this. I just, in fact, I hope she proves me wrong. I genuinely hope Haley Deegan proves me wrong. I just don't see where it's going to happen. You know, I've seen and and this is no no discredit to her i mean there's tons of drivers out there right now that probably are going to be perpetually top 15 in in the truck series there's plenty of drivers right now in arca that are probably just going to be that and sorry i mean that's just what happens sometimes and it's not necessarily Haley's fault it's not her fault necessarily it's just the way that you know genes are made up of timing of when you came into the series you know it's a, it's a number of factors so you know i don't know i hope she proves me wrong but i just don't think she will I mean, I think it's, to me, it's, yeah, we're going to learn more about where she is because I, and I upshift because I think the truck series will provide a more consistent platform of drivers and with more healthy car, uh, car counts and trucks that are more competitive and she can, A, yeah, definitely learn where her strengths and weaknesses are because now we're going to be looking at, okay, this is why the truck series is set up now. It looks like a lot like the Xfinity and Trucks uh, Cup Series. Um, and it's like, where are my weaknesses? Where are my deficits? I think she'll get maybe a little bit more attention because you're willing to spend more money in the Truck Series compared to ARCA because of how bad ARCA is currently or was in 2020. If if I if this was a few years ago and ARCA was healthier, I would say this is a bad move. She needs to get another year in ARCA. But... Yeah, I, I definitely think we're, she's going to learn more, and we're going to learn more about where she's at in her development and maybe her career trajectory in next year with her going up the truck instead of remaining another year in ARCA, which I think would actually be uh, bad for her overall development. So, yeah, I, you know, like you, this is a tough one. Um, but uh, I think it overall it's a good move moving her up to the – truck series in 2021 so uh i'm going to go ahead and move on here rob uh we're about we just eclipsed one hour 20 minutes we're at 23 now i guess uh rollers yep. featured racetrack um this was an exciting one i found 
uh, information I had, I wanted to go ahead and share with everyone. Uh, so for about a year now, uh, rumors have flown around that the NASCAR Cup Series would make its debut on a street course and that that street course would be in downtown Chicago. Uh, obviously, we didn't see that for 2021, but maybe we'll see it in 2020, uh, 2022. Who knows? Uh, but did you know, for about 10 years, the Chicago suburb of Elgin hosted street street course races, but at the time it was probably better uh, to call it road racing. Uh, Elgin sits approximately 40 miles northwest of downtown Chicago and about 65 miles north of Chicagoland Speedway, just for those who want a point of reference. Uh, road races, like the ones in uh, Elgin, uh, were liked by automobile manufacturers because it gave them the opportunity to test the limits of their machines. Uh, Elgin was a high uh, on the favorable, favorable list to test the vehicles because there were no crossroads. Uh, there were really no steep hills, no railroad track crossings, and the population, you know, there was no population around the, around them at the time. Uh, you look at the, where the course would lie today, there's a lot of population. Um, the success and popularity of the uh, Elgin races were helped by the proximity to Chicago, which uh, then, as it is now, was a major junction point for travel, commerce, and population. The circuit itself was little over eight miles long at first, then was 84 Four seven miles in length, and then was shortened a little bit to eight point three eight four miles in length, and that was all during its original run from uh, nineteen eleven to nineteen twenty. Uh, cooperation with area farmers allowed the race to be successful as it was, and the track was also often sprayed with oil because it was dirt; it wasn't always paved, you know. So you kind of had to keep the dust down, you know, just like in some. You know, us paling from Indiana, some county roads are even still sprayed with oil to keep the dust down. Um, to note for that mileage there, takes you about 36 laps to go 302 miles. So the Xfinity Series were to run a race there. They want to do 300 miles. It's 36 laps. Um, and for also for comparison, say the old Nordberg ring, you know, the old one was 14 0.189 miles in length and formula one only raced 14 laps in a race there. So that's just kind of, you know, just give you a comparison. Uh, the course would begin was known as the South leg, which is us 20 or Galena road. Uh, drivers then turned left into McLean Boulevard, but they were only there for a short bit before they turned left again into the North leg, which was Highland Avenue. Uh, for this, most of this party was basically straight, little right jaunt here and there, back to the left. Um, and then they came up to what was known as Aviation Hill and also the Hump. Now it wasn't like a big steep hill, but it was a little bit of a of an incline there, and you came over the top. And then they turned and left again at a very very tight hairpin, and then they came down to what was uh, another the final basic left turn. And onto the south leg, that was known as Graveyard Bend. Not because of anything bad happened there for drivers, but there's actually a cemetery right there. Oh. I, look, I did look that up. So there is a cemetery there that they would turn there, kind of morbid for today's standards, but I guess it made for good selling promotions back then. And then the south leg, it was basically an odd-looking square was the circuit, all right? It, you know, you come from Indiana, there's a lot of, you know, we have the... 
oh crap, the grid style roadway system. So just kind of have a have a stretched out and turn up the sides a little bit. That's basically what it was. Um, under AAA sanctioning, there were 19 races contested uh, on the on this uh, road course. Three races were run between August 26th and 27th in 1910. Dave Buck won the first race, known as the Kane County Trophy Race. Al Livingstone won the second, known as the Illinois Trophy Race. And then Ralph Mulford won the third race, the Elgin National Trophy Race. Uh, three races in two days were repeated in 1911. But in 1912, the stakes were heightened in five races in two days. Uh, then they kind of condensed it from 1913 to 1915 when they only ran two races in two days. And then from 1916 to 1918, uh, racing was paused. World War One was going on. Uh, while there was some racing that took place across the country, uh, none held was held here. Um, and then in 1919 and 1920, only a single race was contested uh, those years. Um, of note, I thought this was very interesting because when you look at schedules, sometimes they aren't consistent, especially back then. Every single AAA race at Elgin took place in late August. So the, so the shortest race was 12 laps at 102 miles in length. It also had the smallest car count of three. There were three races, three drivers drove 12 laps. Hey, at least you know you're getting a podium. Um, that was the Jenks Trophy race in 1912. Uh, the 1914 was the best year as the races saw 22 and 28 car fields. And both races were the 302 miles or 36 laps in length. That's, a, that's still a long race for back then when your average speed is 80 miles an hour. Ralph De Palma yeah, was long. Yeah. Ralph De Palma was the most successful driver on the course, winning six times in 10 starts, including the final race on August 28, 1920. Now, a lot of what I've talked about has been that first 10-year stint, but after a 13-year absence in 1933 in conjunction with the 1933 Chicago World's Fair, the first officially organized stock car race was contested on the Elgin Road, course, uh, road Race Course. Officially known as the 1933 Elgin National Road Race, a 1933 Ford V8 Roadster driven by Fred Frame won the event. Uh, he also had a ride-along mechanic, but his name has escaped the history. I couldn't find the guy's name. In it's okay. In a card, couple articles, they said, driver Fred Frame and his mechanic. Poor guy. So just an unnamed mechanic. Poor guy never got the credit he deserves. Yeah, poor, yeah. Just one of those guys, maybe Dark Doc should do a documentary on him. I don't know. Uh, Ford were particularly interested in this event because uh, the press that would surround it, you know, with it being part of the World's Fair and all that fun stuff. And then also you're racing on a track that, you know, even by then was kind of going away. You know, that type of racing was going away. Um, they sent 10 roadsters, each sponsored by a dealership, along with 11 for backup. And that came in handy because Frame crashed his original car in practice. So he had to get this car out. They repainted it up to, for the dealership. And then he ends up winning it. So good for him. Ultimately, the races at Elgin ended because the course was no longer safe for drivers and the ride-along mechanics and spectators. Um, Ralph Ireland, Dave Buck, Sam Jacobs lost their lives in 1911. Spencer Wiss Wishart and Jack Ginter lost their lives in 1914. Road closure objections by residents and change of support by the farmers didn't help the uh, ultimate closure of races either. Over time... 
um, permanent road courses were built across the country and course and race courses like Elgin faded into history while there are still some like that, like the Pikes Peak race. Uh, there aren't too many races like that anymore uh, really across the world. So Chicago Tribune Racing Reference, Silodrome, and Historical Marker Database help with today's Rollers Featured Racetrack. Uh, fun one, fun one to learn about. Wish there was a little bit more information to share. Um, because it just seems like a cool little track. You can find it. Uh, uh, the historical markers and stuff is a little cool little map that you can look at and try to overlay it um, with today's roads. I couldn't, on historical aerials, you all know how I love it. We might as well be sponsored by them because I mentioned them, it seems like every week. But you can go there. The only, El, Elgin only goes back to 1953, but you can still outline like where the, where the uh, course was and uh see see how it looked like and why you can't tell the elevation and all that fun stuff changing we can still see it's pretty neat uh rob any last words before we get into the what's in the windshield in the closing i don't have much i just enjoyed hearing about that and learning about that early early street street racing or road racing i guess you could say it's you know kind of similar to a little bit to uh some of the more european tracks of the time so i love it thank you for for sharing yeah, no problem. I always enjoy it. You know I do. All right, so what's in the windshield here? There's a full slate of racing this weekend. Formula One returns, and so does the Portuguese Portuguese Grand Prix for the first time since 1996. F1 will race at Portimao uh, for the first time on Sunday, October 25th. So uh, that'll be fun to watch. I'm glad I don't work mornings when F1 is going to cool tracks. Yeah. Uh, the, the NTT IndyCar Series uh, season comes to a close where it was originally supposed to begin. On Sunday in St. Petersburg, Scott Dixon holds a 32-point advantage over Joseph Newgarden. That's going to be a fun race to watch. I wish you could have, like, dual coverage, just concentrate yeah. on Dixon and Newgarden, and then you have the regular coverage like NASCAR, like NBC will do for NASCAR with the Champ 4 and the, and the Cup. Um, anyways, I digress. The Arkham Menard Series West, they're not done yet. They have a doubleheader this weekend. On Friday, October 23rd, the series will race at All-American Speedway in Roseville, California, before racing at Kern County Raceway Park in Bakersfield. Kern County should be on the truck schedule. I digress. That race is on Sunday. Um, and then a few weeks later, they will end their season at Phoenix Raceway at November 7th. So four races there at Phoenix Raceway for the fans who can attend. I'm happy for you. Very happy for you. And then the top three divisions of NASCAR are all in Texas this weekend. Um, all three are also the second race in the round of eight. The Xfinity Series races on Saturday, while the Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series and the Cup Series both race on Sunday. So that's pretty neat. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a truck and cup race on a Sunday, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so thank you. Thank you for listening. It's been a fun show for us to do again. Um, if you're new, you hope we hope you enjoyed it, and maybe you go back and listen to some of our old shows. Uh, you're in, in listen to us next week. If you're returning, hope you, we kept you entertained once more. Um, don't forget to, uh, play along with their upshift downshift on Twitter. You can go there and give us your opinions on, uh, the questions we have proposed, share your future paint scheme from the, whatever series you want to go with and take a guess at what track it was next week, uh, using the hashtag, Rob and Roller. Uh, remember, Rob is at R P E E T E R S three three. I'm at Roller underscore zero one R O L L E R underscore zero one. The show's at Rob and Roller, just as it sounds. And you know what, people, remember to wear your mask. It seems like we're moving in the right direction, but sometimes we take some steps back. But just wear your mask. It's the easiest thing you can do to help 
get life back to normal because I refuse. This is the this is the new normality. I don't want to live in a world where there's new normal normality. So wear your masks, keep your sports around. NASCAR and racing is doing it right. So congratulations to them. All right. For Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller, and this was the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody.